Welcome to the FDD Events Podcast. I'm Cliff Mate, founder and president of FDD. I'm pleased to share with you the following conversation. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss out on future FDD events. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 10th. Israel has been at war for 96 days. I'm Jonathan Shanzer, Senior Vice President for Research at Foundation for Defense of Democracies, and welcome back to the FDD Morning Brief. The fighting continues, and I don't mean in Gaza. We're all still fighting to just stay on top of the news. As soon as you think you have it under control, the headlines change again, which is why you tune in to the FTD Morning Brief. We drink from the information fire hose so you don't have to. You don't need to thank us. Just keep tuning in. This morning, I'll be joined by Amjad Taha, a remarkable voice on social media out of the Gulf Arab region. We'll speak to him in just a few minutes. But before we do, let's take a spin around the Middle East and look at the numbers. Israel had a tough day on Monday. Rumors were swirling about the death toll. The numbers were actually much lower than some anticipated, but it was still a horrible day for nine Israeli families of fallen soldiers. Unknown numbers were injured. How about the number 27? That's the number of attacks the Houthis have launched at maritime vessels on the Red Sea. The Brits, the Italians, the Germans, and others are vowing to take action this morning. Okay, 126. That is the number of attacks that we've seen on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria by Iran-backed militias. In case you're wondering, there have only been eight U.S. responses so far. The next number, 136. That's the number of hostages still in Hamas hands. Their families are fighting for their return every day. 2,600. That's the number of arrests made so far in the West Bank, where the IDF has been operating almost every night. That is a number that is likely to only grow. 8,000. That's the number of Hamas fighters that have been killed thus far that we know of. Those are the ones that the IDF can confirm. I believe that number is quite a bit higher. There are obviously going to be people found inside those tunnels at some point. The next number, 10,685. That's the number of times sirens have gone off in Israel since the war began. Only 75 of them have been the result of Hezbollah rockets. 21,930. That's the number of targets struck by the IDF since the war began. It's unclear which of those are Hamas and which of those are Hezbollah, but this number is remarkable. And it's not counting the ceasefire here where the IDF has been operating around the clock for three months and counting. 22,000. That's the number of Gazans said to be killed so far in this war, according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health. Of course, it's hard to know if we can trust those numbers. The Ministry of Health was run by Hamas. It was. Now we have no idea who's running it, and we have no idea whether that information is reliable. 126,000. That's the number of Israelis that have been removed from their homes by the government to protect them from Hamas and Hezbollah attacks in both the north and the south. However, that's just what the government is reporting. There are probably thousands of others who have vacated their homes voluntarily because they were too close to the front. And finally, 206,080. That's the number of Israelis who have applied for unemployment. Many of these people have found work elsewhere, but there is no doubt that the war is having an economic impact. All wars do. Those are the numbers that I've found so far. Oh, right. One more number. Three. Here are your top three big stories for today. Headline one. 
Jordanian jet fighters struck targets in Syria yesterday. Yes, you heard that right. The Royal Jordanian Air Force struck a number of targets associated with Iran-backed drug smugglers and Shiite militias. Amazingly, this is not the only strike in recent days. The Jordanians struck other targets a few days prior. The Jordanians have been fighting off the Iran-backed groups for several years now. The regime has been trying to get the highly addictive drug known as Captagon across the border into Jordan from Syria, and the battle has grown more fierce over the last year or so. Once upon a time, Jordan was just a transit point for those drugs heading to the Gulf states where they could fetch a higher price. Now Jordan is actually a target market, and the kingdom rightly sees this as a national threat. So now what? If I didn't know any better, I would say Jordan is also at war. Let's add that to the list of all the other countries that have mobilized in one way or another since October 7th. It's a regional thing. And to be clear, the enemy is Iran. The regime would love to destabilize Jordan. This is not lost on anyone except for maybe the Jordanians themselves who continue to hammer Israel at every chance they get. What happened to the old adage of the enemy of my enemy is my friend? Headline two, Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the U.S. doesn't support a ceasefire in Gaza right now. But here's the deal. Blinken said that a lower intensity battle is needed right now to reduce the number of civilian casualties. Yet he also acknowledged that Hamas was hiding behind human shields in this battle, which would then account for the higher number of civilian casualties. Everyone got that? Not sure I do. So now what? I, I don't doubt that the White House is helping Israel's war effort. I heard nothing but enthusiastic words of thanks from the Israeli officials that I visited last week. But the defeat of Hamas will not come from a low intensity battle. It will come from giving Hamas more time. And if anything, the tragedy on the battlefield in Gaza on Monday was the result of giving Hamas the time and space that it needed to regroup. So, Mr. Secretary, how about you let the Israelis finish the job? The sooner that happens, the sooner the low intensity war can actually begin. And that's how this war recedes from the headlines. And finally, headline three. Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar has found has surrounded himself with Israeli hostages. Here's what we know. The rumors have been swirling for weeks, but now the news is out in Israel. The Hamas leader who launched, who launched this war uh, uh, on October 7th is likely in the tunnels beneath Khan Yunus in central southern Gaza. This is the site of the fiercest battle now, uh, battles now taking place. Sinwar knows that surrounding himself with these hostages is his best insurance policy. They are a hedge against an IDF attack against him. So what's my take? Sinwar used Gazans as human shields for years. Now he's using Israelis for the same purpose, and he's putting the Israeli leadership in the ultimate bind. The Israelis made him a marked man. His capture or death will be a major milestone of the war. It might even begin to signal the beginning of the end of the war, if you will. But at the same time, the Israeli leadership has vowed to bring back every hostage in Hamas custody. These two objectives are in clear friction with one another. At some point, some serious decisions are going to have to be made. Okay, those are your headlines. I'm now pleased to welcome Amjad Taha, a political analyst and author based in the UAE. He's been a brave voice on social media, and I'm pleased to have him on the morning brief today. Welcome, Amjad. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, you have been a really a fabulous voice on social media for the last three months. 
and you've been a huge critic of Hamas and radicalization writ large in the Arab world. How did that happen? How did you arrive at this place? Um, uh, well, first, uh, thank you for having me. What I think is my stance comes from a, a profound love for humanity and a commitment to, to peace. I believe that by standing together, we can thrive. The Muslim Brotherhood is where the Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, Hamas in Gaza, ISIS uh, in Syria emerged from. I, like many others, firmly oppose uh, Muslim Brotherhood uh, in the region because they are against women's rights, promoting, they promote uh, anti-Semitism and they are against diversity in all our countries and they glorify death and we celebrate life. Uh, Hamas, Al-Qaeda, ISIS and all, all other forms of, of Muslim Brotherhoods where unfortunately they were allowed to govern in Gaza and when they did so, they waged war against their own people, kidnapped members of the Palestinian Authority then when they came into power, and they killed, in fact, 500 Muslims uh, uh, from, from Fatah uh, Palestinian movement, 500 Muslim Arab Palestinians, they were killed. Up to this point, none of those people who were killed, um, uh, the ones who killed them, have been brought to justice. I, again, uh, Muslim Brotherhood, they, when they were given power in, in Egypt, they failed They failed in Egypt. They refused to share power with their uh, political, uh, with other political entities and rivals. And they also released, in fact, Hezbollah prisoners during their control from the prisons. And those were terrorists. Um, in Syria, they, they joined and worked with ISIS right now. And they, uh, they were in the northern of Syria right now where some of the Muslim Brotherhoods are controlling. It's full of corruption. The, the, you cannot have one street without a, 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 a crime scene there. So when it comes to Libya, they divided the country into two more states. It was one state, now it's two more, and it's probably we're gonna be, go to a three, three states rather than one Libya. In Yemen, they joined the forces right now with, with Houthis, uh, terrorist militia. And they try and get to, and they did succeed in destroying some part of the Yemeni army. Look, when it comes to, um, to, 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 but let's, for example, the reason why, one of the reasons why I, I strongly and firmly uh, criticize and would stand with the, uh, with the world against, against Hamas and I'm against this kind of terrorists is one, one reason, one, one just simple example of that would be. Look at these Muslim Brotherhoods and their sympathizers or Hamas sympathizers when they occupy the street, a street for one hour in Washington, one hour they occupy the street. What do you see? There is hate, speech, scream of death, shops being attacked, you've been forced to boycott, they divide the community, that's them controlling Washington Street for one hour. This, this, is, this is the sign that standing against Hamas today is, is not due to their anti-Semites and actions only, but also because we care deeply about humanity and, and we have the vision for a better future for the Middle East. Well, it's, a, it's a brave stance. And, and honestly, I think people do forget that Hamas was actually a splinter of the Muslim Brotherhood. They were created 1987, 1988 during the first Intifada, and it was born out of the Muslim Brotherhood. And I do believe that that does account for a lot of the, you know, the rioting and the protests that we've seen in Washington, but also in London and beyond. Let me ask you, the um, 
I do feel like there are a lot of misconceptions about this war. There's a lot of misinformation. What do you think are the biggest misconceptions that you see in the Arab world right now? I'm, I'm assuming you're watching Al Jazeera, you're watching Al Arabiya, you're watching all of those different channels, you're watching on social media. What do you think the biggest misconceptions are? I sincerely and honestly don't watch Al Jazeera because so much. <laughs> Good for you. Um, <laughs> yes, um, no one watches Al Jazeera in this side of the world. I think only uh, some extremists on the other side of the world. I mean, the Middle East. I believe it or not, a lot of people in Europe watch Al Jazeera more than the people here in the GCC countries. That's because we do understand the language Al Jazeera tried to push. And we moved way longer uh, and way. Uh, Away from this, we, we are for prosperity, for diversity, for believing that Israel and all Iran and Turkey and all are part of the history of this, um, the Middle East, and they are here to stay and to to be with us. For us together, we can only thrive and, and so on. But Al Jazeera lives its, its own cave where uh, still in the cave mind of Biladen, that's where they started and they still stuck that that moment. That's the start of Al Jazeera and they will stuck there. They stuck there. They can only live through a crisis rather than any happy news. Bad news is always good news for them. Anyways, um, uh, there is a lot of uh, uh, wrong perception sometimes uh, when it comes, for example, when it comes to what's happening in Israel and, and Gaza, that, that this is a war against Gaza. Believe it or not, and many people don't believe that. Uh, they believe, yes, we do know Hamas started this, and, and, and it's a war against a savage terrorist. That's 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 the perception there. Also, there is also a perception that the fact that um, yes, uh, there is Gaza, and people are being displaced from there uh, from south to north. But so so there is there is also. Uh, Israelis who are being 80,000 80, people from Israel also been displaced uh, from their houses and been forced uh, to migrate from from the north to the south and inside and central of Israel for one reason because Hezbollah decided to attack them for absolutely no reason just because because they've been peaceful. I think what should the world should look at the the world the Arab world. Look at it from the angle, not Al Jazeera angle, not from the vision that you've seen. And the fact that, in fact, you should look into the, when, when Hamas leaders asked for the Arab world to protest, please look at the second day Hamas asked for those protests. See which countries attended and how many attended. Rarely any country attended. And when they did so, and when they did so, the protest is a couple of hundreds of thousands. In fact, when I seen a London protest, And that kind of anti-Semitism sympathizers there, they were way bigger, than, uh, their protests were, were way bigger than what it, what it was in, uh, in, in some of the Muslim and the Arab world. Interesting. So what's the view from the Gulf right now? I mean, uh, obviously, we have normalization agreements that were recently signed the last few years. You've got the UAE and Bahrain. Uh, the Saudis were reportedly on the fence. How do you think the Gulf states are uh, interpreting the events Uh, in the Levant right now? Well, I, I can speak as, as an observer of, of the general general sentiment right now is happening. And based on what's, what has been heard and, and shared across the various social media, news platform, 
uh, there is a widespread stance uh, uh, against Hamas terrorists in Gaza, coupled with the support for people of Gaza against any aggression uh, against them. Now that, that comes from any sides in, in this in this war. The majority understand that Israel was attacked by Hamas terrorists, resulting in a, in a kidnapping of babies uh, as old as, as, as eight months and elders. Indeed, some, some recognize Israel has the right to defend itself, but it must also carefully assess um, the risk of endangering civilians. It's also widely understood that Hamas has over 50,000 uh, soldiers, uh, many of whom have large families. Uh, Hamas reportedly used and, and uses uh, these families and others in Gaza as a human shield uh, in the battlefield. And, uh, and um, I think what's, what's mainly uh, the, this side of the world is, is focusing on is, is after this war and the post-war. After this war ends, I believe uh, the, the trend towards uh, normalization uh, will continue. There, there isn't an understanding um, that if normalization had occurred before the 7th of October, many things could have been different. And the events of that day might have been avoided or jointly stopped. Hamas actions um, uh, and their normalization, uh, the, sorry, uh, Hamas actions and, and, and their sympathizers, let's say, uh, in, in the street of New York, uh, uh, London, Paris, uh, Birmingham, attempt to stop, the, they, they attempted to, to stop the normalization with Israel. But the, the answer to this is right now, I can guarantee them the talks are still going ongoing and, and normalization is likely to proceed. Uh, the alternative, as we've seen, which is what we are witnessing right now, uh, is, is not desirable by, by anybody. So uh, a strong Middle East with, 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 with a strong economy and uh, a decrease or a reduced influence of the Iranian proxy is the goal, and everyone will, will support such a, such a move. I'll get one more question for you, Amjad, before I let you go. Um, the, the Houthis have been more active than ever. I mean, there have been 26, 27 different attacks. There was a significant one with 21 different drones and missiles that were fired at an American ship last night. The, the Gulf states are the ones that have suffered uh, at the hands of the Houthis for many years. And of course, it was a mistake, I think, on our part here in the United States to remove them from the designation list. But OK, you know, we'll work on that. But what I find interesting right now is that the Gulf Arab states are saying less about the Houthis than they've ever said before, even as they've become more active. So how are we to understand what's going on here right now in terms of uh, the Gulf states' policies? Well, there is a time of war and there is time of peace. But in the time of war, when the Arab coalition force, uh, forces liberated the, the Hodeida port in Yemen, from, from Houthis terrorists, the US called for a ceasefire at that point, which was shocking for everybody here. And this resulted uh, in the terrorists right now regaining control of the port. Now from that exact port, Houthis are attacking the international trade and kidnapping the, 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 the hostages. That's, that was the exact reason why we controlled how they respond. We are aware of Iran's proxy influence and how, how to address it. How firmly we need to address it. However, the challenges 
And what we, what we, uh, the challenge that we, we have to face sometime is when the UN or the US become involved and uh, are asking us and urging the region to negotiate with, with terrorists. Negotiating with a, with a terrorist may be not the best choice, but it has been put forward by the, by the Biden administration. In fact, Houthis in their slogan and, 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 and in every statement, uh, that the Houthis are uh, making are calling for Americans' death. And yet, Biden removed them from the terrorist list. Someone is telling you, I want the death for you. You say, well, you're not a terrorist. That wasn't a, a great signal to the Middle East. And uh, it did upset many. We are in, we are all in favor of political solution for Yemen. But it's difficult to keep that on the table when Houthis behave like ISIS and Al-Qaeda when they strongly attack everybody, everyone who crosses from the Red Sea. At some cases, not all, and I'm saying that at some cases, not all. It's sad that sometimes when, when the US military turns to an, uh, an, a news agency, it suggests that um, the world is, is, is in trouble and America is in itself. Because what I've seen recently, the US military on Twitter is X right now. Uh, the U.S. military keeps saying Yemen's, Yemen's Houthis terrorists attack this and that ship in the Red Sea. For God's sake, you aren't the news agency. You are the American army. You should respond strongly and firmly, not just report and post, but take a decisive decision. This is what we expect from America. And this, when we see this kind of strong, decisive action, Believe it or not, many people in the region will stand strongly with America. But when they see not much and they're just a normal reaction to, oh, Houthis launch, launch a rocket and then we, we just launch another rocket on, on, on two people and not solving the whole issue with these terrorists. And not even at this point, they target an American, they target in the Red Sea. Guess what? They're still off that terrorist list. They're not in the terrorist. They're not even being considered to be on the terrorist list. Guess what? Houthis are in our terrorist list. Hamas is in our terrorist list. Guess what? Hamas, up to this point, is not in the terrorist list in many countries in Europe. In Europe. Correct. They are Muslim Brotherhood, who are the thoughts and the, everything that make uh, Hamas. They're still not recognized as terrorist organization by the United States of America. It's recognized by us because we understand the Middle East. We are the Middle East. We know these guys are no good for humanity, not just for us. But the question remains one thing, one, one more uh, comment if possible. Why haven't the Palestinian Authority, not Hamas, Palestinian Authority or any party in the West Bank condemned or rejected the use of Houthis militia using the name Palestine, using Gaza and Palestine in their attack against the trade in the Red Sea? Why do they remain silent? Why do they remain silent when international terrorists use the Palestinian cause for their attacks? It's like someone committing a crime in your name and you're silent. In fact, it's a good question. It. Secretary Blinken, of course, was in Ramallah today speaking with Mahmoud Abbas, and that was exactly the, the message that should have been delivered. I think you're right. Well, uh, Amjad Daha, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Really terrific to speak with you. Hope you'll come back again and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. 
Okay, here are the other stories FTD is following today. My colleagues Elaine, uh, my colleague Elaine Dzinski has a piece out in Euronews looking at the upside-down world of the United Nations, where Russia and China are redefining terms like anti-corruption, human rights, democracy, and integrity. We all knew the UN was a disaster. Elaine just shows that it's worse than we thought. My colleagues uh, Behnam Bentalablu and John Hardy Iran and Russia specialists, respectively, are tracking reports that an Iranian-made kamikaze drone was downed in Ukraine. FTD experts continue to make the case that Iranian drones and missiles used by Russia in its war against Ukraine make something abundantly clear, and that is namely that America and Europe have to work together to respond to the Russian-Iranian partnership. A stronger response is long overdue. And finally, speaking of Ukraine and Russia, my colleagues Toby Dershowitz and Svi Khan penned a policy brief yesterday marking the fourth anniversary of Iran's downing of a Ukrainian airliner, killing all 176 people on board. Four years on, Canada has still been unwilling to impose serious economic and political consequences on the Iranian regime. Hey, Prime Minister Trudeau, you know what you have to do. We all do. That's it for today. Read our expert analysis on our website, ftd.org. Read our quick takes on X at FDD and support our work with a tax-deductible donation at FDD.org invest. Thanks for tuning in today. I'll see you Friday for another morning brief. Until then, I'm Jonathan Chanzer signing off.